Hey, if you listen to this podcast week after week, then you will absolutely love my books. There's Travel Light, which basically gives you all of the steps for following your heart. And then there's Knowing Where to Look, which is full of inspirational stories and anecdotes that will help you shift your perspective in the most inspiring way. And for those of you who can't seem to crack the meditation code, grab a copy of Bliss More, How to Succeed in Meditation Without Really Trying, and your meditation practice will never be the same. All of those books are available on Amazon, as well as everywhere else books are sold. That's Travel Light, Knowing Where to Look, and Bliss More. All right, back to the show. I was so depressed and so down. Oh my God, like the difficulties as a young girl that I went through with the disappointments constantly with the acting thing. And I was sitting next to a woman and being Greek, I talked to everybody. Somebody sitting next to me to the bus, of course, I'll say, hi, how are you? And this beautiful woman, I said, well, I'm very depressed. I didn't get the part. I was, you know, I'm an actress. She said, oh, she said, I'm an actress. I was an actress. She said, I'm a nurse. I have a little boy. I'm a single mom, so I had to earn a living. And she said, what did you audition with? And I said, I did Joan of Arc. I said, oh my God, was that the Bernard Shaw? And I said, yes. And she said, I know that monologue. I said, it's the one that goes, you promised me my life, that you lied. And I said, you want me to do it for you? And I start to recite this monologue, which is so powerful because she's in front of her accusers. And she says to them, I could live without water and bread, but to shut me from the light of the day, to throw me in the dungeon so I can no longer hear the larks in the trees and see the soldiers passing by and to no longer be able to smell the flowers and the air. That is worse than the furnace in the Bible that was heated seven times. So burn me, burn me at the stake and God will be with me and God will comfort me because the hatred in yours will be supported by the comfort of God and the people who love me. And she goes on and on and she says, so God be with me. And so I'm screaming this monologue in the bus and the whole bus wakes up and she kind of (laughs) applauded me and she holds my hand and she says, my dear girl, you don't have to wait for anyone to hire you. You are so talented. Why don't you go do your own thing? Hey there, it's Light Watkins, your host of At the End of the Tunnel, which is a podcast that features the backstories of luminaries who have found their purpose with large and small causes, oftentimes after navigating very dark tunnels, and they are now using their platform or their art or their voice, or in this case, their prayers to help point others in the direction of the light at the end of their tunnel. My guest today is Agapi Stasinopoulos, and Agapi is reintroducing us to the art of prayer. Agapi hails from Athens, Greece. As you may have heard in her accent, she has a fascinating life story, lots of twists and turns, as all of the wisest people tend to have. She's also one of my rare guests who was actually introduced to yoga and meditation as a child, mainly through her mother. And her father happened to be in World War II, and he spent time in a concentration camp. Also, Agapi is the sister of Huffington Post creator Ariana Huffington. So she makes a lot of references to her sister as she's telling her stories, and that's who she's referring to. Anyway, 
Later, as a young adult, Agape thought that acting was supposed to be her life purpose. However, she was having a very difficult time getting traction. But that experience led to her spiritual teacher. And she pivoted to storytelling and writing. She ended up spending about 10 years developing the Greek god and goddess archetypes, which became the basis for her first two books about Greek god and goddess archetypes. And then she created a one-woman show about that subject. And then there was a documentary for PBS about that subject. So she continued to write and speak, and she released two more books. One was called Unbinding the Heart, A Dose of Greek Wisdom, Generosity, and Unconditional Love, which is full of inspirational stories, mostly about her mom and growing up and all the lessons she learned along the way. That was followed by Wake Up to the Joy of You. And most recently, Agape has released another book called Speaking with Spirit, 52 Prayers to Guide, Inspire, and Uplift You. Now, I met Agape a few years ago when she spoke at one of my Shine inspirational variety shows. And she's someone whose presence made me light up back then. And it still makes me light up whenever I'm I'm around her or even whenever I'm speaking with her. She's got this really beautiful, wise auntie energy, if I had to summarize it. And I think you're going to feel the same when you hear her speak and you get to witness our dynamic. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Miss Agapi Stasinopoulos. Agapi, it is a pleasure to have you on my podcast, someone who I've known now for several years. We met through The Shine. You came and graced us with your presence and with these amazing stories. And I remember reading your biography and your books. I think at that point you had just released Unbinding the Heart. Or no, was it I Wake Up I, to the Joy at that Wake point? Up to the Joy of You, but I think you were but reading I've read, I've read both of them. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Because that's yes. the one that had a lot of your life story. And it's like, this woman has an amazing story and you told some amazing stories. So Anyways, I'm honored well, to have you, you on the podcast you. to share <laughs> to share some of that agape goodness. That's a, the agapiness vibe. The agapiness vibe. Well, actually, oh if I'm being honest, the first time I came across you, I didn't realize it was you. It was when I was listening to your sister's book that you yes. read. You did the audio version for the Thrive. For, was it Thrive? It's the one about the Sleep Revolution. They did yes. them all. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The thrive, like, yes. And I fell in love with your Greek accent, and, and, and ah. I didn't know you were your sister. So it all came together back then. And now you just released a new book that I thought did a great job of summarizing a lot of the greatest hits <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> from your story. And it's Speaking with Spirit, 52 Prayers to Guide, Inspire. And uplift you. But before we get into that, or yes. maybe as we're getting into that, it's always good to get into the backstory of how you came to be the channel, the beautiful, radiant channel that you are. And so a lot of my initial questions will be geared around that. But I think I have to ask you this question because it's so close to my work, meditation, and your book is about prayer. And yes. everybody always wants to know, what is the difference? What is the difference between meditation and prayer? 
it's something, you know, that I've been really wanting to get into that question with you because I know your incredible passion about the practice of meditation and how you have, to me, demystified meditation. You took it off the pedestal and you brought it down to the kitchen table. And you said, here it is, my friend. It is in your fingertips. You can love it. You can fall in love with it. Let me show you how. And it's the same thing with prayer. And I'll backtrack just a little bit for the sake of our wonderful listeners. You know, I was born in Athens, Greece. My mother was unbelievably spiritual, not religious, but very, very grounded in her soul and in just the majestic being that she was and is, because although she passed, her spirit is so alive, and taught me and Ariana incredible values about the human spirit and unconditionality and generosity. And she had a fervor of bringing up her daughters and opening up worlds for us that were extraordinary. And when As you know, in the beginning of my book, I actually started it by saying my first spiritual teacher was my mother. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing my mother sitting in our living room, drinking tea and eating favorite biscuits to contemplation. It looked like she was doing nothing, but over time, I realized that this was her time of spiritual communion. So in reflection, she seemed to be drawing upon something deep within herself. She was listening for guidance and direction as she orchestrated various aspects of our lives. This was her form of prayer. Mm. So I was raised with this sacredness of life. And just to give our listeners an idea who my mother was, her name is Elie Stasinopoulos, is that she fought the Germans in the Second World War by being a nurse in the Red Cross. And she was a young girl who wanted to go study in Switzerland, and the war broke up, and the Germans came and occupied Greece. She was in a cabin on the top of the mountains, hiding Jewish people and serving in the Red Cross, when three Nazis marched in and started to shoot with machine guns. And she spoke German. She stood up. And in perfect German, she said, lay down the guns. You have no right to shoot. We are Red Cross. And she said, and I'm getting the chills just as I'm saying these stories, and I've said it so many times. She saw three machine guns be lowered, and they didn't shoot, and they left them alone. And she said to me, that to me is what she called my life force and her trust in life that she had it in her to stand up to the Nazis. So from then on, whatever financial difficulty she faced, whatever difficulty she faced with my father, who was not faithful to her, the pain, the angst of trying to bring her girls up from a one-bedroom apartment in Athens, Greece, to go to London and open up possibilities for us in university, and I went to drama school. So, you know, I wrote about this in Unbinding the Heart and poured that story upon story This was my foundation. She taught us yoga. Do you know I was initiated? I don't even know if I've told you that when I was 12 by Maharishi Maharishi Yogi, by my (laughs) transcendental meditation. He came to Greece and my mother said we were going to go meet him. And 
have pictures of him at the airport with carnations that I brought him. So the foundation was laid from a very young age. The trust in life, the invisible, and as again, I must repeat, not in the religious sense, because other than christenings, funerals, and weddings, and Easter Sunday, we didn't really go to church. So she used to say, our home is our church. When we had dinner together, all together with people, she would say, that is the human communion. Food to her was sacred. There was, I always say the story, when she heard the phrase in America, oh, let's go to a place with a fast food. She said, fast food? There should be nothing fast about food. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to being in Los Angeles as a young actress to do a movie at the age of 23. The movie didn't work out, and I ended up staying in Los Angeles and was doing hours and hours of yoga, three hours to be exact, reading every spiritual book, trying to find my connection with myself. I didn't call it God. I didn't believe in God as such. In my, I'm now in my 20s and, you know, have left my home in London where we lived. But, you know, the soul and the heart yearns to wake up. I have heard this beautiful phrase that says, even to yearn for God is grace. And I had a spiritual awakening light that was very specific. It was an exact time in Beverly Hills at my hotel. I fell asleep on autobiography of a yogi pages and at about 6.02 in the morning, I was woken up with a light coming in from the window, the sun. You know how sometimes the light can come in and hit you. And the inner light came. And just to give you a specific, I was reading about the yogis transcending their body and living in the Himalayas and living in the mountains under terrible conditions. And yet, they were not their bodies. Their souls were traveling and would come back to the body. And I remember remembering, oh my God, I am not my body. I am not this agape. I am a soul. And I fell on my knees and weeping, going, I know, I believe, io credo. I I wrote in my diary, io credo, I believe, I know. And that was a moment of my awakening. And from that moment on, all sorts of synchronicities happened. And I asked for a teacher. And two or three months later, I think through a friend and a retreat that I went of a yoga retreat, I met a woman, a friend who told me about my spiritual teacher, John Roger. I met John Roger in Los Angeles that's like, you can imagine, so many years ago, I was 23, 24, and that became my path. And it's a path of soul transcendence with the awakening of the light. So again, a very specific experience. I've now met John Roger. I've awakened into this reality. I have no job, no money, but a lot of friends who love me. People say, how did I survive? I don't know how I survived through my mother's teachings. People take care of you as you take care of them and you love each other. It was an amazing thing. I mean, literally, I was so taken care of. People will open their homes say, come stay with me. It baffles me how I really survived. 
But I was on the mountaintop on Nichols Canyon in Los Angeles meditating, and my third eye opened. And I started to feel the light coming in, like this beautiful, soft caress of light. And it filled me up. And I remember saying, I will never be alone anymore. And from then on, my commitment to the light, obviously, I was guided to then study psychology. I mean, my physical world life was unfolding, but my inner spirituality was unfolding. And my prayer, which I will share with our listeners right now, became every day I would say, I ask for the light of the Spirit. And let's do it all together right now, because we are living in the moment, of course, to fill me, surround me, and protect it. And I ask that any negativity, any disturbance, any worry, any angst in me be transmuted into the light, into the nothingness it came from, and that I may move through my day with grace and ease and light. And that became my daily prayer. And the same way with friends from my community, we would always say, oh, I'm going for an audition. I have an interview. I have a date. I am going on a trip. Can you send me the light? Send me the light. Now, this has been my, it's like like you in meditation. It's like your skin. This is my skin now. I call in the light all the time. We have a prayer list in my community. I put like a podcast before we did the podcast today. You are in the light list. I'm in the light list. Our podcast is in the light list. Anybody who works with me, my assistant, I always say, make sure you put this in the light list. A friend called me today and said, one of our dear friends is in the hospital. I said, great, light, light to him, light, the light. Now, I have a posted in my car in Los Angeles on top of the visor, you know, on the top, it says light. I get in the car and all I say is light. And that has become, my God, such a comfort. And I share it with people that are not in the spiritual path. We're all on our spiritual path. We are all on a path to spirituality. People always ask me, Agape, what do you think is our purpose in life? There is only one purpose, my friends, to wake up to our souls and our spirit. And the rest is grave. It's whatever. It's fine. I mean, you can have your goals and you can have your ideal scenes and you can do your vision board. But on top of your vision board and everything, just say, wake me up to my soul today. Let me awaken to that a little closer. Whatever it takes. Hey there, really quickly, have you wanted to find your purpose or be more grateful or start a daily meditation practice, but you're not quite sure where to begin? Well, if inner work is like a drop of water, thehappinessinsiders.com is like your ocean. That's my online community where you can learn real-world techniques for cultivating more fulfillment from the inside out. So whether it's learning how to manifest abundance or access your potential or overcome fear or even just start walking every day, I've got a blueprint for you, which means you no longer have to use any more shoddy guesswork and you don't have to use the lone wolf approach to improving yourself. For a small accountability fee, you'll get community, you'll get accountability directly from me, 
and you'll get comprehensive instructions for getting your meditation practice off the ground. And for my podcast listeners, you'll receive 30% off of the all-access pass if you go to thehappinessinsiders.com right now and use the promo code HAPPY. Again, thehappinessinsiders.com. Enter the promo code HAPPY and you'll get 30% off on a yearly all-access pass, which gives you access to dozens of inner work challenges and masterclasses, such as my 108-day meditation challenge, which has an 80% completion rate. Plus, you get to join me live for weekly meditations on Zoom and much, much more. That's thehappinessinsiders.com. The code is HAPPY. All right, back to the episode. We still didn't get to the difference in prayer and meditation. What is your what is your well, real that, world practical difference in prayer and meditation? We're going to come to that. So, to me, the prayer is opening up the gates to consciously mm-hmm. communicate with whatever we want to call it. Let's give it God, your higher intelligence, your divine, your thirty six point two trillion cells that are making you, your life force the universal love, whatever we call that light, and, and the, the words are so limited. But let's say to your God, so you open up the conversation, you open up the communication. And in asking, as I said, about the light, or praying and asking in my practice, let's say I'm about to meditate, and I have 100 thoughts going on, or worries, or the list of everything we go through in our thoughts. Or I had a very bad night with a dream, or my children will walk me up, or my husband is sick. or he, I mean, whatever is going on that consumes us as we're about to meditate, the prayer to me is a precursor to the meditation. You know how they mm. say the vitamins? It's a precursor so that you are, before you start to chant your mantra, open up the gate, open up your heart, mm. first of all, because light, if our heart is not engaged, it don't mean a thing. Our heart has to become, you know, whatever we do, whether it is we're cooking or we're washing the dishes or, or we are talking, but especially when we're about to commune with the deeper parts of ourselves, for God's sake, bring your heart to it. And mm. in your heart, you open up your heart and you say, I say, Father, Mother, God, because I relate to the divine as a protective force. That's my practice. But you might say, beloved, every prayer in my book starts, my beloved, or my higher power, I ask right now that I connect with you more deeply and that I move from the chores and the doings of my daily life and I move more deeply into my soul, into my heart. Let this practice for the next 20 minutes be devoted to that higher consciousness. Show me. Let me listen to you. Let me, whatever it is, you know, I'm making it up as I'm speaking to you now. Mm -hmm. But you get what I'm saying? At that moment, light, instead of being dry, you get to feel juicy. (laughs) You know, I mean, I've had experiences where I've literally sat to pray or meditate, and I we call it in my practice spiritual exercises because it's active. You don't want to go 
to sleep, or you might leave your body and think you're going to sleep, but that's another story. But you want to feel your soul, enter your soul, enter your spirit, and oh my God, it transforms everything. I mean, I have had times where I have exploded inside, like my heart chakra went into this, and you have felt, you know, I'm a completely heart-centered person. And for me, when I open up to that loving and of my soul, of God in me, it's so beautiful, it's so palpable, that then whatever I do in the daylight, it changes. It changes my day. And that, to me, is the difference. That, am I making sense between mm. meditation and it's like you're going to meet your lover in your meditation. To me, that's what meditate. You meet your inner being that you don't really capture or see. And all sorts of things can be revealed to you, you know, from the other side. It's, it, your guides can start speaking to you. Your spiritual self of the other side. I mean, I've seen my mother in my meditations, in my spirit. My mother has shown up. My father has mm -hmm. shown up. We're both past. My teachers, and I have experiences, but they're not uniquely, you know, designed for me or I'm very special. It's nothing to do with that. It's because I have practiced and I'm willing and I believe that there are our guides and there are the spiritual beings. And if we open up, they'll come and visit because mm. between this world and the spirit world, there is just a little veil. And the veil, when you ask in prayer, is the actual lifting of the veil. something about conspiracies and thinking for yourself. And I sent it out to my subscribers the other day and I got a reply back from somebody who was saying, I can't believe you're talking about COVID and denying COVID. And he like projected this whole thing onto what I, I didn't say anything about COVID. I didn't say anything about denying anything. And I feel like when we, when the word prayer comes up, the same kind of thing happens where it can trigger people to project all kinds of like religious stuff onto that and limitations. And, and loaded, I, loaded, loaded word, loaded. Yeah. Exactly. No, no I, I just mean, love the way you present, you make it so accessible. So accessible. Oh my God. That's if that is my prayer with this book, make it 24 seven Make it your song, however your words. And I, I encourage people to, as you read this book, as you read these prayers, all my prayers start with bringing to the table exactly how you are. So if you're sad, if you're sorrowful, if you are upset, if you're off balance, you start by saying, beloved, I am feeling off balance. I had an argument. I'm in separation with myself. And that's where the kindness comes in. You know, the Buddhists talk about loving kindness light, you know, that is where the kindness comes in, where instead of judging the hell out of yourself and the other person, you go, I come into the softness of my heart. And I ask that the spirit within me may show me the solution. And then you allow that energy, it's energy, it's all energy 
to come in. And I ask people to please read the prayers that I have loud, but then write why, why I say speaking with spirit, because it's active. In our voice, we carry the healing energy. And you know that, you know, when you hear, I mean, okay, Andrea Bocelli or Celine Dion, let's say, you know, and you feel so lifted or Pavarotti, I mean, through their voice, they lift you up to the heavens. So why, if I feel that, okay, we might not be able to sing like Bocelli or Pavarotti, but you can actually speak kind words to yourself and to each other and allow that healing energy to come from you to the other person. You know, when you tell someone, and of course, with my friends that I love, I always say, we never hang up the phone by saying, I love you. And you might feel really off that day, but suddenly somebody you love calls you and says, I love you. And you go, wow, I got it. You know, I mean, you and I are such dear friends and Many times when we've talked on the phone, I say, I love you, Light. And, and you, know, you say, I love you, Agape. And I would feel that energy. You know, you're far away. You're in Mexico or somewhere. But when we've had conversations, we've always shared that in our heart. And in the same way, I ask people to dare go there. Light, why don't we pray is because we have put it out on a special occasions, I mean, when we are in crisis, when you're, let's say, on a flight and there is turbulence, everybody prays. Well, I don't care if you believe or don't believe. You say, oh, my God, let me help me land. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or, you know, when you're on TSA in the line, you know, and the person is grumpy and everything, you pray again and you say, oh, my God, let me go through this line. Let them not take all my stuff from my case and throw them away. Even I mean, the remarks we make, like, oh, geez, or oh, God, or holy crap, like, these are prayers. We're saying the names of this kind of intelligence, this inner intelligence, without even realizing we're doing that. And we mostly do it when we're in trouble. Anybody who doesn't believe that there is a higher power, Mark Nepo, the wonderful poet, before he speaks mm -hmm. at any event, I love it. Before he even says hello, he says, does everybody believe that there is something larger than themselves? Mm. And everybody raises their hand. And he says, well, I guess then we're all mystics. Mm -hmm. And so I feel part of the unfortunate thing that has happened with organized religion is it has come in with a lot of dogma. Mm -hmm. And the dogma that my way is better than yours has separated so much separation in humanity and so much separation in people that a lot of people stopped believing. And, and they said, oh, I, I, you cannot imagine how many people I've heard in my podcast and in conversations that were raised Catholic or raised Indian in Hinduism or in different religions that they said as a young girl or a young boy, there was so much imposed on them that they turned away from religion. And I go, Okay, you can turn away, but where do you turn in to your spirit? And let the people who worship in a very structured, religious way with the temples and the churches and whatever, just bless them and say, that's your way. God bless you. But I'll find my way. And that's what in this book I wanted to give permission. And I say, if there are 
I don't know how many billion people are on the planet. How many? Almost people? eight billion. Eight billion. I think actually I have that actually here. Yeah, so you have eight billion prayers. There's eight billion different ways to pray. Humanity is in a moment of spiritual crisis. Structured religion in all its forms has caused many of us to feel divided than ever and has alienated us from the truth of our oneness. So there are more people who say there are none, you know, that they don't, they don't believe. And I remember very specifically there was a girlfriend of Ariana's who came and had dinner with us. We had a few friends for dinner a few years ago. And Ariana said to me, well, go talk to Jennifer because she's having a hard time. She was let go of her job as a newscaster. Her boyfriend left her after seven years. Her mother is very sick and she's just very down. So I went up to her and I said, you know, Ariana tells me this is a hard time. And I said, do you pray? And she looked at me and I, I, I have heard this so many times. Well, who do you pray to? That's an hmm. amazing question. And I said to her, well, let's start by praying to the 36.2 trillion cells that are making you right now and are breathing you. And you or I have no idea how that is made, how we are made. We are a miracle of life. Let us pray to that life force. And so I took her hands and I said, you know, and before I pray for someone, I bow my ego down. You know that great way when mm -hmm. we bow to each other? And uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure in yoga, you know, we always learn in yoga practices, you bow down and then you surrender that part that says, I know, I'm the one, I know everything. And you bow down. And then I ask for the spirit in me to help the spirit in her re-boost her strength, her confidence. And that's exactly what I asked. I didn't ask for, for a new boyfriend, for a new job, for her mother to be healed. I asked the spirit to boost her confidence to know that she's not alone, to know that the one that walks with her is her wisdom and her soul, and they're right, right here, right now. And we felt it, and we, we, we held hands, and she cried. And she said to me, my God, nobody has ever done that for me before. That's I what I've noticed about your prayers, is that they're almost like affirmative, or they're declarations, as opposed to treating God like yes. it's Santa Claus or something like that, right? <laughs> exactly. And you end each one with, so be it, right? So can you just talk a little more about the anatomy of, if someone is listening to this and they want to do that for a friend, like what are some of the considerations they should keep in mind? Obviously getting a copy of the book and, and reading your format, but on top of that, what are some of the considerations when praying for someone or for themselves? Well, first of all, we become self-conscious. We mm -hmm. go, well, this is silly. Who am I talking to? And somebody asked me the other day, they said, you mean you're talking to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, yes, I'm definitely talking to myself, but I'm talking to my high self. I'm talking to the God self in Agape. Not someone and, outside of you. No, somewhere. exactly. Thank yes. you, Light. Thank you. I cannot say this enough. It's outside, of course, there is a universe within, outside of us, that is unimaginably mystical and mysterious and miraculous, but we are a microcosm of the macrocosm. I think I've heard that from so many teachers. We are a little speck of that that the universe is made of. So mm -hmm. once you grab that and you say, I'm part of that, it's almost like the lifeline. 
and it's powerful. You know, it's like I call it the tsunami of spirit. It's not like lukewarm. It's it's hot. It's it has life in it. So first of all, you've got as as light said to know and claim it in yourself, even if you don't feel it. And you got to go out of your self consciousness and start to come into your vulnerability and your openness and allow the spirit in you without you censoring it to speak to you or for someone else. For example, fear, you know, and I have a whole chapter here on fear. When you are in fear, you feel paralyzed. And I've dealt with fear a lot in my life. I've recently dealt with fear because I got a very bad infection in my right eye right when I was promoting the book, feeling fantastic and bang. I had to cancel things. I had to postpone. I had to take antibiotics and it was very, very hard on me. And I, and I had to go into forgiveness. Like there's nothing wrong with me because I felt punished. I felt, why is God punishing me when I'm about to speak about God and this beautiful message? So you can imagine it put me to the test. And so back to the fear, for example, the prayer in the chapter that I have about fear, and what is it, chapter 25, you're bigger than your fear, is I ask to find the courage to move past my fear, knowing that the mighty spirit that lives in me is so much bigger than my fear. Show me how to transform my fear into trust. So you claim your fear. As I say, is you, you look at the fear in the eyes and you don't say, oh, I'm afraid, but I shouldn't be afraid. You, you face it, you offer it and my insecurity into confidence. And then you ask for the qualities that you want. So if you're not afraid, what are you? Trusting, calm, mm-hmm. secure, guided, inspired, connected, okay? Be creative with your prayer, you know, so that's what you want. In fear, the primitive part of our brain is fight and flight. We don't know what's going to happen. We are afraid of the future. We're afraid of the moment. We're in pain, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. So right there, you say, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. I'm in light right now, more than any other time. Everybody's struggling with something, Everybody, everybody's struggling with finances, the lockdown, the insecurity, the constant bombarding of the news, the things that our people are going, not only with their health, but the insecurity of work. So it's incredible if we could really dare to help each other find our spirit through that prayer. And people say, well, I'm feeling pretty awful myself today. And this friend of mine called me and she's kind of lost it with her kids because they're at home and they are fighting and she's very nervous about money and everything. And I said, well, did you pray for her? Did Hmm. you stay right there? Marianne, let us bring the spirit with you. And the person says, well, but you know, I was depressed myself. And I said, well, go beyond your depression because you, by praying for someone, you are going past your narcissistic depression self. I'm sorry, but it is like that, right? I mean, I talk to myself like that when I'm sad. I say, let's go past you and mm-hmm. past that persona and go to the mighty bigger part of you. The one that walks in me is bigger than the one that is in the world. That's a beautiful phrase of Christ, which I love. Mm-hmm. So go to that part and you know it in your meditation. I mean, 
you have felt, I don't want to put words into your your mouth, but I'm sure you have felt that power light, right? Yeah, I mean, every spiritual tradition, every religion even says or hints at the fact that the kingdom of heaven is within, but we forget about that. Why do we forget that? And why does it take a very intentional practice (laughs) (laughs) to remind us? Because you you mentioned, you know, you lying there in that bed and that light hits you and it gives you this sort of awakening experience. But if someone hasn't had that yet, what have they not been doing? Well, also light. I had that experience, and then, my God, I had so many difficulties in my life. It's not like I had my experience at 23 and I live happily ever after. <laughs> I mean, and that's, you write about that. Every difficulty you have leads to some greater awakening yes, and, and I, some new step along your path. I had projects that I worked for years that fell through. I had relationships that I thought, oh, he's the one. And he was not the one at all. <laughs> he, just, he went out and found another one. <laughs> I had heartbreaks. I had times where I was broke. And I had times where I didn't know what to do with myself. I knew spirit and I knew the light, but I didn't know how to translate it. So I had to trust that in my forming, in my as a way of creating my life and myself, that I was guided. But that doesn't mean that I didn't go through the ebbs and valleys of life. And that's the reason why I have the confidence and the authority to come up and talk about it with, with such passion, is because I know it. I have faced a lot of these human difficulties. And until we die, I think we're always facing something. So back to your question of, how do we find the confidence to pray when we we feel awkward, we feel silly, we feel self-conscious? Is you just put one foot in front of the other. You put one word in front of the other. Your intention behind is you start to assume it, and it will meet you halfway. Your willingness to go there. You know, there's mm. there's nothing more wonderful than to pray for someone and to feel that the Spirit used you to lift Mm. them. Right, Light? It reminds me of this story that happened to you where you ended up giving the monologue on the bus and that woman, you know, you were complaining and you weren't getting the acting jobs and the woman said, well, you don't have to get a job to act. Yes, exactly. Can you, can you share that story? I think it's such a wonderful story. Oh, my God. It summarizes my life. I was auditioning in New York City for a six-hour adaptation of Greek plays at Williamstown. And I went with Joan of Arc. I did the Joan of Arc monologue. And by that time, I already had my spiritual experiences, you know. So I was already mm-hmm. in the spiritual path. So, And I had a lot of high expectations, you know, like, okay, it's a Greek play, it's a Greek director, I'm a Greek girl, I'm talented, I'm very talented, I will get... Beautiful. I'm beautiful, I'm talented, (laughs) I speak Greek, I speak English. Well, I auditioned and the guy called me three days later and he said, he spoke with a thicker accent than me, you know, Agapi, you know, you are so talented, my dear girl, but I don't know how to cast you because 
you have so much personality that if I cast you as an extra, you'll stand out in the chorus. You know, not extra, in the chorus. If I cast you with big parts, Electra, Clatemnestra, Digoni, you don't have a big enough name. I said, no, I do. It's Agapi Stasinopoulos. It's very big. <laughs> and he said, well, no, no, I mean Sigourney Weaver, Susan Sarandon, you know, I need the names for the theater. So that was that. And I was despondent. I was like, well, this, if I can't even get a chorus part in a seven hour adaptation of the Greek plays. And I took the bus to go to my singing lesson, which I had religiously every week. I was so depressed and so down. Oh my God, like the difficulties as a young girl that I went through with the disappointments constantly with the acting thing. And I was sitting next to a woman and, you know, being Greek, I talked to everybody. Somebody sitting next to me to the bus, of course, I'll say, hi, how are you? And this beautiful woman, I said, well, I'm very depressed. I didn't get the part. I was, you know, I'm an actress. She said, oh, she said, I'm an actress. I was an actress. She said, I'm a nurse. I have a uh, little boy. I'm a single mom. So I had to earn a living. And she said, what did you audition with? And I said, I did, I did Joan of Arc. I said, oh, my God, was that the Bernard Shaw? And I said, yes. And she said, I know that monologue. I said, it's the one that goes, you promised me my life, that you lied. And I said, you want me to do it for you? And I start to recite this monologue, which is so powerful because she's in front of her accusers. And she says to them, I could live without water and bread, but to shut me from the light of the day to throw me in the dungeon so I can no longer hear the larks in the trees and see the soldiers passing by and to no longer be able to smell the flowers and the air. That is worse than the furnace in the Bible that was heated seven times. So burn me, burn me at the stake and God will be with me and God will comfort me because the hatred in yours will be supported by the comfort of God and the people who love me. And she goes on and on and she says, so God be with me. And so I'm screaming this monologue in the bus and the whole bus wakes up and she kind of <laughs> applauded me and she holds my hand and she says, my dear girl, you don't have to wait for anyone to hire you. You are so talented. Why don't you go do your own thing? And I left the bus and I felt... Ah, so elated, as if something had hit me, like like the light had hit me and said, get off your wanting this acting so much. It's not for you. Go do your own thing. And of course, I didn't know what my own thing was going to be. So I reflected on it and thought, and I think a few weeks later, I started to think, I'm going to do a one-woman show with all the Greek goddesses, seven of them, you know, the Greek goddesses from Olympus. And I'm going to do the monologues that I love for each goddess. So Bernard Shaw of this Joan of Arc would be Artemis, and and Jocasta will be Demeter, and a character from Bernard Shaw Colorinthia is going to be Aphrodite, and on and on. And it was a dream. I mean, I put this show together and I launched it, and it was it was Agape emerging with my light and my spirit but now combining my talent into the world. That's how my life kind of unfolded, you know, finding the courage to say, I'll do my own thing. Nobody's hiring me. I will hire me. Well, it's almost like you embodied that. You wrote about this in your book, the chariots of fire line 
You know, oh, when the guy love- says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And, and yes. it's almost like you stumbled upon that, that living prayer. It's a living prayer, right? Because yes, you thought life. acting was your purpose. And, and for all we know, for that part of your life, for that season, that was your purpose. But it wasn't about the outcome. It wasn't about getting the film role. It wasn't about getting the audition. It was about just the art of acting itself. Like God exactly. is speaking through exactly. your actions. Exactly. Oh, my God. That is so true that you remember that movie, you know, and uh, I don't remember. Well, I it. didn't remember it. I just read it in your book. And I was like, I want to go watch this movie again because I saw it when I was a kid and I don't recall that profound yes. moment. But it was um, it, it, yes. it, it, it really struck me. Let me just share it with our listeners. There is a movie called The Charge of Fire that Vangelis, the Greek composer, actually wrote the music. And it's a true story, by the way. It's about two Olympic athletes in England. And one is a Christian and the other one is a Jewish one. And they're competing in the same race. And the Christian one is a missionary. And they go with his sister all around. And they, of course, support people to become Christians. And his love is running. And so he's running the race. And his sister has a conversation with him, and I think his name is Lytle, Little. you got to give up that hobby of yours of running and concentrate on what God is calling you for, which is being a missionary. Hmm. And he turns to her and says, but when I run, I feel his pleasure. And that is the most beautiful line to me that I've really heard from expressed how the Spirit moves with us when we do something that we really love. So I wrote this whole chapter of during the pandemic, because I wasn't speaking and I wasn't interacting with people out there, I stopped feeling his pleasure. I got really sad and very upset. And in writing this book, the Spirit allowed me to get deeper into myself to feel his pleasure while I was writing, while Mm -hmm. I was speaking the words. And Spirit comforted me in my bereftness of what was happening. Now, you tell me, when do you feel his pleasure or her pleasure? I read this anecdote. You probably heard it before where an astronaut goes into space and then comes back and he tells everyone he had a face-to-face with God. And they go, what was he like? And he goes, well, first of all, she's a black woman. <laughs> 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 oh my god, I love it. I feel that when I'm when I'm doing my writing, you know, I write these daily doses of inspiration every morning and it's at a point now I've been doing it for over 5 years. It's a, at a point now where I just I'm clear that it's not me writing. I'm just through secretary showing up every morning. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, to transcribe the message. And look, yes. I don't feel like doing it every morning. And and you wrote in your book how you had no idea that you would have to renew your enthusiasm for this project. And you had to write dozens of drafts about inspiring people to, to find that pleasure through their action. And I think that's one of the other mistakes that a lot of people make is if I'm not feeling enthusiastic about it all the time, then it's not meant to be, that's not God, that's something else. And I think that through your example, it's not about an isolated event or an isolated feeling or mood or state it's about it's about a direction 
That's and if the right. direction lights you up, if the direction makes you feel expansive, then you know you're moving forward as exactly. opposed to getting yourself but you know, stuck. Light, I have to tell you something, and this is my question to you. My God, to me, you exemplify devotion, discipline, and consistency. And I am not that consistent about anything, you know, exercise, <laughs> meditation. I mean, I really I struggle with a part of myself that is not that kind of consistent person, you know. And when I do it, I love it. And like I saw in your Instagram, when you put the thing that you do 100 burpees every Sunday, which, of course, I would, I, I don't agree with that at all. I think, oh, my God, what is this man putting himself through? Why? Why are you doing that to yourself? I mean, you have this, I don't know, it's like this warrior part where you are exactly the opposite of I don't feel like it. You know, like people say, I don't feel like it, and they wait to feel like it to do it. Like I'm looking at my desk, not here, at my home, and since I've been back from LA about three months ago, I think something like that, after a year and a half, I have so many books and papers, and I look at it, and literally I have no energy to move the, those books or these papers and these files. I much rather talk to you and to people about my prayer book and write a book or speak it, but this little action of cleaning up my papers by myself is, it feels absolutely, now you say to me, why don't you just pray about it, right? Ask for the guidance. But I admire that about you so deeply. Like you get up every morning and you write whether you... So you tell us, I want to hear, what is it in you? What is that muscle? Where did you get it from? I remember you wrote something. I'm trying to remember who said it because you were telling a story about someone else. Oh, Lynn Manuel Miranda, yes. Miranda. And somebody asked him a similar question, like, how do you get the motivation or the inspiration to keep creating? And he says, I treat every day like this is it. This is the last day I have. So I need to get it all out. Tomorrow is not is promised. I love that's that. Right. That's right. That's incredible. And, that's incredible. And, and that's the attitude that I try to cultivate is that all we have is today. Yeah. But I would say you're not giving yourself enough credit because you are very consistent with this one thing, which is bringing your heart to yes. everything you do, whether it's having a conversation, whether yes. it's walking, whether it's because you remind me of that, right? You always say to me in my writing yes. and everything that I'm doing, make sure you bring your heart to it. And if you bring your heart to it, then it's going to have the desired impact. And I have to remember that when I'm doing my own writing and, and that helps me to be more vulnerable and to be more transparent and to be more heart-centered when I'm even thinking about the things that I'm doing. And it's a balance, you know, you have to kind of show up for the work, but you also need to get your ego out of the way. Because when the That's ego right. creeps in, then you end up becoming the lecturer and lecturing everybody. And yes. And and people can can feel that, oh, this is this is now about him. It's not really about helping us. And and that's what I see in your work. It's it's really about just service. And you yes. you write about that so beautifully. You talk about the kite analogy. And I've never thought about prayer. Oh, I love like a that. Kite. I love can you that. Share, yes, share that? thank you. Thank you for noticing that because that came to me literally. I was walking by the beach and mm -hmm. in LA, you know, in Santa Monica Beach, and suddenly I probably something bad had just happened because it's always preceded <laughs> by something that didn't go your way. 
Agape says, okay, I'm going to go to the beach and just chill out. And that's where you see. I was frustrated. I couldn't go to any shops, you know, mm-hmm. and get my coffee. I got just going to go to the beach and walk on water. Okay. And I was looking at these kites and how the kite never stands still, you know, it's, and then the wind takes it to the left and to the right. And the little boy runs with it. And then suddenly, have you seen when the kite suddenly steadies itself? And it's like the wind, the kite, and the hand, and the little boy, they all kind of become aligned. And what I wrote is, think of your of prayer as your favorite kite with a string wrapped around the spool that you're holding in your hands. You are the one that releases the string for the kite to fly. When you're flying a kite, the wind can take you in many directions. In the same way, your emotions, your thoughts, and whatever you're going through in your life can sway you from one direction to another until you steady yourself, until the kite, the wind, and you become one. Then you can fly as high as you want. So, you know, you go to pray and and the thoughts come and the unworthiness or the judgment, so this is not good enough, or who am I to believe? What is there anyways? I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. And then you go left and you go right, and then you exhale and you go, ah. And as all our spiritual teachers, you know, Thich the wonderful teacher who just passed away, he said, it's in the stillness, it's in the stillness. It's in the non-doing that you experience the transcendent, you know. But I feel, why not experience it every day if we can, if we choose it, if we are willing? And I just found the chapter, my dear light, that has the charge of fire, which is chapter 7, Finding the Extraordinary in the Ordinary. I'll read this to our listeners. I always feel the magical connection of my human self with the larger spirit. I live every event, it's when I do my events. At the end of an event, people approach me and say, what you said was meant for me. I felt my heart burst open. I really let go of something. I live every event feeling fulfilled and blissful, in awe of the expansion of the human heart. It's beyond anything I can describe. When I speak, I feel his pleasure. Cut to the pandemic, quarantine, when there were no events but endless Zoom calls. For me, it felt like I had been pushed out of my paradise, deprived of the very things I love the most. I meditated, I prayed, and I tried to find ways to recreate some of the feelings that I've had when speaking and connecting in real life. Those feelings never left me. I just needed to find ways to keep igniting that connection I often thought of the thousands of actors, dancers, musicians, and singers who feel the aliveness when they perform, and I was filled with compassion and heartache when realizing that during the pandemic, they may have felt completely cut off from the joy during that time. I tried to find it through dancing, moving, loving, listening to music, cooking, walking on the beach, connecting with my friends, and engaging in my work through FaceTime and Zooms, but most of all, I found it through gratitude and reverence for the ordinary little things in life that I was taking for granted. That brings up a question of guidance. Do you think that we're all being guided all the time? 
And if yeah. it doesn't feel like that, why not? Well, let's say you're feeling upset or depressed or, or down and you say, I'm just going to go get drunk. And you get drunk and, and you fall on the street and you hurt yourself. And, and the next morning you're in pain and you have to go to the hospital or you're feeling awful. Were you guided to do that? Or were you at that moment of your down, of wanting to go for the drinks or, or feeling despair? Were you able to come to a place and say, right now I need the help and I can't reach to that spirit. I can't reach to the hope. I can't reach to the faith. I don't know what it is. I'm like at the pits, but can I, is there someone that I can reach to? And can I go beyond that? And, and the part says, well, you know, go drink. Okay. So what voice is that? But if you have the muscle in you, to write it down. I mean, I always encourage people, when you are feeling very down, write it down and be silent. Take charge of that, whatever you can, however you can, and walk and listen. What I'm saying, light, is not easy. But if you have one person in your life that you feel safe, you say, you know, this is a very hard moment, and we all have gone through that, that you can say, can you hold good space for me? Can you remind me of something good in my life? So we are guided, but we are guided to do something that we might at that moment not be able to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, and you, you've also said that that inner spirit that we may pray to sometimes is telling us, hey, just drink some water or just go take a nap or you know something very, it's not go some shower. big Moses on the mountaintop getting the Ten Commandments conversation all the time. You know, this is so funny because when I was having my upsetness about my eye, I had a sharing with my spiritual group and John Roger, my teacher has passed, but there is a, a wonderful following the teacher's guidance. There is a wonderful man who now represents and shares the teachings. And I was having a Zoom seminar with some of our friends and it was, you know, one of the seminars that we do often to lift each other. And I shared with him how awful I was feeling and how miserable I was feeling and how upset I was. And I remember him saying, you know that this too has value of what's happening to you. And you might not see it right now, but it's shifting your perspective and it's helping you come into a greater deepening and patience for yourself and loving for agape. And then he said, you know, because you've talked about the yogis and the teachers, that they live in very dire circumstances and they survive, you know, like they live in cold weather and they're just wearing a little loincloth. They, they bypass the body. They bypass mm -hmm. the pain. And he said, like he said, you know, you've heard about this whole practice that you put yourself in cold ice, you know, Jim Hoff, what is his name? Wim Hof, Wim, Wim Hof, Hof, yeah, you know, Wim the ice baths. The ice baths, which I've never done. And he said, <laughs> put yourself in an ice bath and see if you're thinking about your eye. Well, it's funny, I, after my sharing, I went and took a shower, and then I took a cold shower. It's like, is that my inner guidance? Yes, it was my inner guidance. I'm in pain, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to get up, I'm going to shower, and I'm going to take a cold shower. And it woke me up. <laughs> so <laughs> often we are guided to do something that 
doesn't feel comfortable, the spirit might say, go ask so-and-so for help or ask him for a job or ask this person. You go, no, I can't do that. They don't, I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. Why not? And then you go ask this person and the person says, I don't have anything right now, but I'm glad you asked. I'll keep you in mind. And you go, well, you see, it didn't work. And then three weeks later, the person calls you and says, we have an opportunity for you. Would you like to try it? So lean into it. Lean into it. Fortune favors the prayerful. Exactly. (laughs) The partnership, and the people say to me, what would you like? One thing from this book for people to take away. I say, if I could tattoo one phrase in my forehead would be, God is my partner, I'm never alone. Now, Mm -hmm. again, God, please put your words there. God is the the way that it works for me. But I wrote a chapter in Wake Up to the Joy of You called God is My Partner. You know, to walk the spiritual warrior path, which to me you are, like, you got to step into your courage after all. And it's stories upon stories where you hear people who bypass their small self. The person who says, I don't want to do this, or I don't feel like it, or the denier in us, the doubter Mm -hmm. in us, and Mm -hmm. go to the other part that is the believer and listen to that other voice because we all have it. That's Mm -hmm. the magnificent part about this. So We just dismiss it. We think it's like woo-woo or fairy-fairy, and it's not. It's so powerful. It's so real. There's a story I've heard that I always think about when I think about the voice of prayer and inner guidance. And that is the story of a healer that was walking through a village and there was a sick boy and some people recognized the healer and said, would you please come and pray for the sick boy to get better? And he comes over and he starts praying in the affirmative, kind of like what you write in your book. And this grumpy man who was in the crowd started heckling the healer saying this this is nonsense what you're saying is just hocus pocus it's not going to do anything i can't believe you're wasting everybody's time and the healer looks up at the man and says you hideous monstrous moron you need to shut up you're ugly you're stupid you don't know what you're talking and the guy starts getting so angry and the healer comes up to him calmly and says if you let those words get you so angry couldn't the opposite have a positive effect. And so he healed two people that day. (laughs) I just love that story. Oh, oh, that's so. Our prayer. Yeah, yes, that that is our prayer. And as you said, you got to watch that ego. I mean, God doesn't like not being right and not knowing or being vulnerable. But the thing that I want to emphasize so much and to see that all of us now in our humanness are going through something Mm -hmm. and becoming more compassionate to ourselves, to each other, and to reaching out is a liberation. Mm. And uh, to know that we are not alone, not only because of the spirit, but we have each other. And to me, again, I just want to say that I just love the content that you put out because it's so much with the intention of serving and uplifting people. And Mm. if you're going to put content out 
in your social media, really make it as connected and as purposeful to lift others because then it's beautiful. And you are so fulfilled then because you know that if you changed one person's life, if you just lifted somebody today, by God, that was worth it. As we wind down this conversation, uh, one of the things I wanted to point out for the listener is because, again, you have made praying so accessible. It's secular, so it doesn't have any religious conflicts. It's broken down into categories. So even if you want to pray for creativity or pray for abundance or pray for this or pray for that, it's all broken down into categories. And um, I even have a prayer for you can have a happy divorce. <laughs> right, exactly. Like literally, every, every any and everything under the sun, there's a prayer for that. And Absolutely. you recommend reading the prayers out loud, which I love. And I, I was listening to another podcast, it's completely unrelated to this one, but the guy was saying that a quick way that he has learned to go deep in conversation with someone is yes. to ask that person, if I were to pray for you, is there anything that I should pray for? And automatically, everybody gets vulnerable. Everybody gets close. And oh, my God. It turns I love into this that. amazing. Yeah, it turns into this really deep conversation. But I think following through on that, there are some suggested prayers in your book that anyone of any religious faith, of any spiritual tradition, of, of even atheists can use to invoke that inner guidance and the higher intelligence and the positive and the affirmative to help themselves as well as to help other people. And if you were to ask me if there's one thing right now in my life that you could pray for me, can I tell you what it would be? Yes. I would pray that I would truly, truly know and embody what I'm speaking about so Mm -hmm. that I can go to sleep and feel the beloved sweetness. And I would wake up, and I had this experience the other day. I woke up, I had my book launch on the 18th of January. And I woke up, and, you know, because of my eye, I can't wear any makeup, and I'm wearing my glasses. So it's a a different level of vanity. (laughs) My vanity Mm -hmm. is like, I just had to completely say, glasses, no makeup. Yes, I'll put my lipstick on, but this is the message of my heart. And I woke up and I had no fear. Mm. And I moved through my day with such calmness. And I had two or three days where I stayed in a very calm and connected place in myself. And it was heaven. It was heaven. It wasn't heaven like lightning and and thunderbolts and and oh i feel so joyful i want to dance you know it was this contentment this presence inside of me that was connected and light this is my prayer for myself and mm. this is the prayer for everyone that i think of and i and i and i love and i don't know this is the prayer for humanity for me let us find that connection Let us find and help each other know that we are always connected to our source, like our breath, but let us make it so conscious so that we have our days knowing that we don't walk alone. And 
all my life have dealt with this sense of loneliness because I love being with people. And as I say, you know, always better and better now. I mean, I'm much more comfortable with myself. But even I have this beautiful poem, which I recommend people to read it. It's called Coming Home. And uh, I, I love to actually, as we close, to read it to our listeners because the last line and the last message is, it's when we move in with ourselves. I want to read that at the end. I just have one more question for you before we get to that, if that's okay. Yes, yes. Now, you have to tell me what can we pray for you. Well, I'm currently touring around teaching people meditation and holding space for that. And I would like for you to pray for me to stay safe. I have not had COVID yet. I don't plan on getting COVID. (laughs) No. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, you don't want COVID. And we're going to pray that you stay protected. No hugging. No hugging, just in case, just don't hug anybody. Please, don't hug people. Even I'm such a hugger, and I don't don't hug people. And would you wear your mask? What about when I see you? Yeah, I wear masks. You wear your mask. And I'm vaccinated and all that stuff. So, But I just want to stay available to do what I feel like is very much my mission. So that's that's what I'm... Yes. So we'll put it in the light. And uh, every, every time before you go to do your work, and also we'll put it in the light and... I will pray for you. I will hold space for that and ask for the protection to really be protected and watch yourself because it's easy to, um, no, you know, I mean, I went to a bookstore the other day and my girlfriend and I just, we prayed before we went. We went with our masks, but I wanted to buy some books and some cards. And I just said, let's just start, let's stay very little time. You know, let's, there was, it was also a lot of people because of Sunday afternoon. So it felt very safe. I mean, I, I watch it. I don't go to a store unless everybody's is masked. And if somebody comes in masked, I, I move away, unmasked, you know. So we'll pray Beautiful. for that. Thank you very much. So this is a question I ask everyone near the end of the interview. And I'm really curious to hear your answer because you have been in the company of many rich, famous movers and shakers of the world. And having had all of your experiences juxtaposed against that, I'm curious what your definition or what your understanding of success is at this stage in your life. Yes. Anybody who, Emerson said it so beautifully, if in your life you have helped one human being become Mm -hmm. more freer, more lifted, and have helped ease their lives, you have been a successful human being. And that is definitely my definition of success. And there are a lot of people who are very successful physically, and they have a lot of wealth or recognition, and they can still affect people's lives. I'm not saying one or the other. Mm-hmm. But let's say if you're somebody who hasn't gathered amounts of wealth or successful in your in your career maybe you had a lot of stumbling blocks and you're not where you want to be who cares is your life affecting other people positively and are you on purpose with waking up yourself to your higher self to your divinity to your soul is that part of your daily motivation practice and can you Keep asking for help from others who you support and you admire and you feel like mentors 
to also help you if you're having difficulties and if you're feeling stuck. So also asking for the light inside, but asking for people to show you the way if you don't know the way. I had to ask a lot of a lot of help. And I had a lot of mentors in my life to get to where I am. So this is really a success book. This should be in the success book section of the bookstore. I love <laughs> Two that. To guide, inspire, and uplift. If that's the key to success, then that's exactly where this book needs to be. Thank okay, you. Okay, you're, you're going to you. share the poem with us? Yes. So this is called Coming Home, and it was written overlooking the Mediterranean, over in uh, Mykonos Island, mm -hmm. overlooking the Aegean. And if you haven't been, please, heaven on earth. You know, you Santorini, Mykonos, the vistas, the blue sky, the breeze, the Aegean Sea, and the warmth and the wonderful, generous hearts of people in Greece can really help you open up your heart tremendously. And I was sitting there and feeling how my prayer has been to not to feel connected with myself even when I'm by myself not mm -hmm. only when I'm with people and it, and I wrote this on my iPhone actually I dictated it coming home I used to be so lonely lonely at my house lonely when I got back to sleep lonely when I was alone when I was with people I was never lonely but when by myself, loneliness would hit my house. And then one day I heard a voice. Why don't you move in? I live alone too. You would like mm. it here. Move in with me. I looked around and it was me talking to me. My house was empty. Wow, I said. I left that beautiful place a long time ago, going out, looking for others to fill my home, and left my house empty. Move in, move in with me. You like it here. You'll never have to pay rent. I'll never evict you. You'll be my honored guest. I know you. Your likes, your dislikes, your little quintessential idiosyncrasies. I know you. I'll treat you nice and kind and give you lots of space. Move in, come, move in with me. I looked into my eyes, my heart, and saw the love for me. I surrendered. I opened the door and moved in, into my empty house that I had left a long time ago. It was exactly as I left it. It had just missed me. I moved in and never left, and never felt alone anymore, for my house filled with love, once I accepted such kind, tender invitation. Beautiful. I love that. I think that's a great place to end it on. And just want to acknowledge you for embodying the meaning of your name. For those of you who don't know, Agape means love. So this is literally love and light having a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. How beautiful. Love and light. Yeah, I just want to acknowledge you, Agape. You, you've been one of the most consistent presences in my life and in a positive way. It's, you're one of those people when I think about you, when I see you, when I'm just around you. I feel uplifted without you saying a word, just being in your presence uplifts me. And, and I'm sure any, everyone else who's around you shares that experience. And so thank you for being a walking, talking, thinking bundle of everything that you represent, guidance, inspiration, 
and that uplifting energy. And I'm really appreciative of you taking time out to come onto this show and share your work with my audience. Well, I thank you so much. And at the end of the tunnel, that's the name of the podcast. At the end of the tunnel, yeah, which is obviously a pun on my name, but also, you know, we've all gone through many dark tunnel moments, and that's where we usually discover that the light that we're seeking is not outside of us. We are the light. We are that light. You know, I have this great quote that I've posted many times, which is like, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. You are the light in the tunnel. You are the light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. You are the light in the tunnel while you're crossing the tunnel. That's right, that's right. Well, thank you so much for honoring me and loving me so beautifully and and so beautifully representing the book and the message. And I share it with all my heart with your wonderful listeners. And I ask you that as you read the book, please share it with others. Post your beautiful prayers, your prayers, my prayers in your social media so we can create a tsunami of love around Mm -hmm. this and open up the gates so people will know that this is an extraordinary tool that we are now holding in our fingertips and we can use it. We can use it to lift ourselves, to guide ourselves, to get what we want, or if we don't get what we want, to have us. This goes really what this is what we want. I've heard you give out your email address too, because you want people to actually engage with you. And let, yes. let you know about their experiences. Absolutely. And it is agapi at unbindingtheheart.com. Unbindingtheheart.com, the title of my third book. And you can email me your thoughts about after you've read the book. I can send you some of my guided meditations from my last book, which I give out as a gift. And just share yourself and share yourself with others and pass it on. And I'm just very, very grateful. This has been an incredible conversation. I'm so glad it's recorded and we'll have it. <laughs> and I'll post the clips from it. It's It's been just magnificent to talk to you, Light, about this. And with such heart and insight and wisdom and how you see it, it just really helped me redefine some of the concepts which I'm trying to bring out as clearly as possible. So thank you, my dear friend. I love you. I hug you virtually and uh, (laughs) hug in person. And we have a Greek meal one of these days too. Yes. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you for tuning into my interview with Agapi Stasinopoulos. Her latest book, Speaking with Spirit, is out now and it's available everywhere books are sold. To learn more about Agapi and her work, I would suggest starting with her website, which is unbindingtheheart.com. And her Instagram is at Agapi Seas. That's A-G-A-P-I. And then the word Seas, S-E-E-S, as in Agapi Seas All. And her email, as she mentioned during our conversation, is agapi at unbindingtheheart.com which is spelled like it sounds, unbinding the heart. So you can let her know what you think about speaking with spirit and we'll put links to everything in the show notes, which you can also find at lightwatkins.com slash tunnel. While you are there, you can search my past podcast episodes by subject matter. So if you want to see more episodes about people taking leaps of faith, 
or people overcoming financial struggles to follow their purpose. You can get a list of all of the episodes of those specific subjects along with more. Also, if you're feeling inspired by these stories and you want to make sure that this podcast continues to not just stick around, but to grow and to thrive and to reach other people, the best way that you can support that mission, which is my mission, is to leave a rating or review for the podcast. I know everybody says it, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe. It helps more than you can fathom. (laughs) So... If you have 10 seconds, just 10 quick seconds, just glance down at your phone right now. If you have the Apple Podcast app open, you will see the name of this podcast at the end of the tunnel on the screen, on the home screen. Scroll down past the previous episodes and you'll see five blank stars. Just tap the star all the way on the right and you've left a rating. It's that simple and it only takes 10 seconds. Thank you again for that. And otherwise, I look forward to hopefully seeing you back here next week with another amazing story from the end of the tunnel. Until then, keep trusting your intuition. Keep following your heart. Keep taking those leaps of faith. And if no one's told you recently that they believe in you, I believe in you. Thank you very much and have a great day. You want to get a little extra nudge when it comes to following your heart and taking leaps of faith and believing in yourself each day, then you want to sign up for my free daily dose of inspiration email. You'll join 30,000 other subscribers who receive a short inspirational story or anecdote that's meant to inspire you to become the best version of yourself each day. You can sign up at lightwatkins.com and you'll get your first inspirational message as early as tomorrow. Again, Just go to lightwatkins.com. You can sign up for free and you'll wake up each morning inspired to be the best version of yourself.